Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. This is not an understatement. Today we are focusing on maybe comics' most important figure, Jack Kirby. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smith Reigns. And I'm Clifton. Okay. So uh, I will do uh, Jack Kirby's bio. Uh, I will. It's a it's a little bit lengthier than than normal, but uh, I'll try and go through it as fast as I can. So, all right. Jacob Kurtzberg, aka Jack Kirby, was born August twenty eighth, nineteen seventeen, in New York, the son of two Austrian Jewish immigrants, and raised on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Kirby showed an interest in art at a very young age and sought places to hone his craft. Uh, rejected by the Educational Alliance because he drew too quickly and then later left the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn at the age of 14 after just one week, citing the fact that they wanted to work on a piece forever and that didn't suit Kirby. So once again, his speed at drawing was a factor. This is an important point when we start talking about his jump to D.C. Um, working under the pen name Jack Curtis, he began working in newspapers and at the Fleischer Animation Studios as an in-betweener. He was there. Uh, and out quickly because the factory type surroundings the animation studio had at the time reminded him of the factory settings his father used to work in. Kirby started to work in comics reportedly somewhere around the age of 18 under a few different names. Kurt Davis, Fred Sand, Ted Gray, and Lance Kirby were all pseudonyms he tried eventually sticking with Jack Kirby because it reminded him of James Cagney reportedly. (laughs) In 1941, Kirby had the biggest success of his early career uh, when, along with Joe Simon, they created Captain America. Captain America number one promptly sold out in a matter of days. When the United States entered World War II, Kirby was drafted into the U.S. Army in June 1943. An interesting tidbit from his war days is during the war, when his commanding officer learned he was a comic artist, he made Kirby an advanced scout. Uh, So he had to move into towns ahead of the regiment and draw basically reconnaissance maps and pictures to bring back. (laughs) I just think that that's going to make an awesome scene in his biopic. Mm -hmm. Hey, somebody out there, please make a Jack Kirby biopic, please. (laughs) Somebody's got to do this. Um, Post-war, he and Joe Simon found work at Harvey Comics, producing romance comics throughout the 50s, along with sci-fi and horror and monster books at Marvel, then known as Atlas. In 1961, Jack Kirby and frequent collaborator Stan Lee created the Fantastic Four, ushering in the Marvel Universe. I'm going to start to skip ahead now because I think this is the area, this is the era of his career that I'm expecting like the bulk of our conversation to to be in. Um, But what you need to know is he basically created or co-created virtually the entire Marvel Universe in the Silver Age with only a few exceptions. Uh, 1971. Kirby left Marvel to go to DC, where he went on to create the Demon, Omac, Commandy, as well as the New Gods, and maybe most famously Darkseid in the pages of Jimmy Olsen. His return to Marvel came in 1976, where he notably created the Eternals. He then left Marvel again to return to animation and film, where he was helping creating concepts and design work, as well as working in creator-owned comics for Pacific and Tops during the 1980s and the 1990s. Kirby passed away in February 1994 at the age of 76. So we are just two weeks removed from Kirby's birthday in August, where Kirby would have turned 104. Mm, wow. So there we go. I need some water. <laughs> that was a mouthful. <laughs> he had but a full life. He had a big full life. He sure did. He sure did. Um, I figured we would start, uh, like, what was everybody's, like, first encounter with Kirby? When did you first hear about him? What was the first thing you guys read? At what age were you guys also? 
Just curious. My first encounter with him was long before I heard his name. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's the case for a lot of people of of my generation. Actually, probably generate my generation, generation before me. It probably works out that way for a lot of people. Like we're familiar, like we encounter his work, you know, without knowing it's him. And like, mm-hmm. like people don't know all those Marvel characters are him. Um, people don't know like the new gods and everything are him uh, until like not when you first encounter them. So I was encountering all these characters, like everything he'd created, I was encountering from like my first awareness of pop culture, of, of fictional media, of everything. Uh I was encountering his characters, but it wasn't until I was a teenager and like really starting to peel back, you know, the into comics to see who's making these things and who was influencing these things. That's when I finally figured out uh, his name and older teen probably. And, uh, and, and realizing like, Oh, like he'd been the man behind the curtain the whole time on everything I like. Mm. And I, like, I can think of, um, like the superpowers, like the dark side, the new Genesis okay. stuff that makes it into that. And, and like, that's really like, that's all Kirby. And, and I didn't, I didn't realize that was him until much, much later. Cause I was watching those on Saturday morning and stuff. Had some of the toys. Okay. Frank, what about you? Uh, for me, it was definitely the, the superpower show. Like okay. that would be the first place I didn't, you know, I didn't, again, I didn't realize it was Jack Kirby. I'm sure I'd heard mm. Kirby's name and stuff, but I wasn't really aware of what he had done or what he created at that point. But, you know, when you introduce all that fourth world stuff, and then when I say all of that, there's like the pair demons and, you know, Darkseid, Dazad. Right. Um, Father, Mr. Miracle. Right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I'm just, yeah, well, I mean, it's one of the things where I think I would have to say, it was, you know, between the show and the toy line, because the toy line started to branch out into like Mr. Miracle. That's the first play I ever, ever heard of Mr. Miracle was in the toy line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the toy line, you know, at that point would come with um, the figure and, you know, you'd squeeze your arm or the leg and it would do something, <laughs> it would, you know, kick or, you know, in the case of Mr. Miracle, it would have him basically have his hands go out to one side or the other right. and burst through like <clears throat> uh, handcuffs right, right, or you know, like go to those, you know, Kirby, those Kirby designed harness handcuff thing. shackle things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The shackle thing. And then, um, but it, it had a, you know, had, had the comic book and had like all that stuff. So that was the first place I saw that. So. But the uh, the the cartoon that's where I, I first encountered Darkseid and um, I can't remember the voice actor's name. It was the same voice actor that does uh, that did uh, Doctor Claw. Oh on, yeah, yeah. On uh, <laughs> okay, Inspector Gadget, Soundwave. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, on Inspector Gadget. Yeah, Soundwave. So he had that was that was pretty cool because you, know, you had the same voice actor. But um, yeah, I, that's where I first. And then in comics, I knew that. I knew that Kirby and Lee had done Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. So I had seen a reprint here or a reprint there. Cause there was at that point, uh, Marvel did a lot of um reprints of the early books. So that's like one of some of the early like Fantastic Four books I had that were done by Kirby. And I recognized okay. the style. And it was one of those things where I, I knew of him, but I didn't really grow to like him quite as much as I did as as I got more into comics in general. And then I really started to really like Kirby stuff and, and, and understand why it was, you know, so influential. Right. I got a stupid question because you, you brought up the superpowers toy line. Mm-hmm. Um, did those come with comic books? Is that right? 
Yeah, they the little the little almost like same, kind of the same long way that the old He Man stuff used to come with those little comic right. books. The same thing. So not 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 even not even like digest size, like almost the size of like of like a trading card. I'll right. say it was like a little like four mm-hmm. page comic in there. Yes. Right. So did he do the art in those? No, those were like brand new stories with with the characters. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was gotcha. okay. New. I just because yeah. my research didn't didn't take me into that direction at all. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, we we, we prepped for about a week. Uh, on Jack Kirby stuff. And really we could have prepped all month. And I think still uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. have been a little, a little underprepared because um, <laughs> his, his career is so vast. You know, I do have some information about the toy line though. He was involved in the toy line. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, he did. There's, we can get into this later because uh, we want to get to Tommy's first impression, but I will say he did. Uh, he was brought back in specifically by uh, Paul Levitz and uh, Jeanette. I can't remember her last Khan. name. She, Jeanette Khan. Uh, specifically by them to read to do redesigns oh, okay. for his characters because they knew they were going to do the toy line and they did it specifically because they were like, well, now we can get him some royalties mm-hmm. under a new program oh. that exists now. If he does redesigns now that he mm. couldn't get when he did the comic characters initially. Okay, so we right. can get into that wow. later. But he was involved in the toy line. And now that I'm looking you at just, the, um, I didn't. I didn't know it was possible that I could like Paul Levitz more than I did, but <laughs> Paul Levitz and Jeanette Kahn just for that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that is a classy move. It doesn't look like I'm looking at, at the, I went to look up the, um, the, the Mr. Miracle figure doesn't seem to have a comic with him. Yeah. Like a card that has mm-hmm. like, a, like there's, there's a stats card, like it has his name and then the, and the information on the back. But okay. like, I know, I know there was a, like a dark side one, dark side with a little oversized figure came with, you know, came with a comic. Um, I want to say this, I'd had one too, but I could be wrong. So, mm-hmm. but just the idea that, like I said, that was the first place I, yeah, I can see it now I'm looking at Zod had one for sure. But the, again, they had stat cards on the back, you know, they gave their name, you know, secret identity, what they could do, that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's okay. where I first encountered, encountered Kirby stuff. Tommy, what about yours? My introduction to, um, uh, Kirby was, I think in the seventh grade. In which I was collecting comics, but only contemporary stuff that was out for that certain time. And in school, there was a mentorship program in which IBM, for some reason, partnered up with my school. Hmm. And uh, they let kids speak to people in the industry in order to propel them for a stronger future for whatever career. So I got this one black engineer and we were talking during lunch and he and I told him I collect comics. So he was gushing. So oh, you collect comics? It's all great. I bring some in that I had when I was growing up your age. I was like, cool. Mm. And when he brought the books in, he had uh, mostly Fantastic Four. Wow. He had the appearance of Black Panther, <laughs> Galactus. No like he had originals, straight up originals. Oh, man. And um, <laughs> at the time, I was like, and then he was gushing. And he went to descriptions. I hear about Stan, um, Stan Lee, but Kirby. Kirby's here. Kirby did this. Kirby did that. Da, 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 da. And now it's my introduction to him. So I got to look at original comics from Kirby that came up because this dude collected and is his pride and joy. And it opened my eyes to that person in general because I didn't hear about him. So his um, excitement and love of the books and, and then the initial um, creation of those characters is what made me see uh, his works. Mm-hmm. And that was my. Uh, introduction to it cool that's a cool introduction yeah man <laughs> somebody, somebody got you early Bert. you had someone spreading the word yeah yeah <laughs> that's really cool 
the other one that I thought of that I that I didn't consider at the time was, which goes a little bit earlier than the um, superpower stuff is Thundar, right? Mm-hmm. I know we've talked yeah. about Thundar ad nauseum <laughs> on earlier earlier <laughs> right. podcasts, but like a lot of those character designs are all Kirby too. Yeah. Yeah, like the yeah. main villain Gemini yeah, that, is in the that one. period in the eighties that I was talking about when he when he left Marvel the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, really, I guess maybe the third time, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right uh, at that point. But yeah, yeah, the third that is the third time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was the other place. I I knew there was one I was forgetting, and that was the one I was forgetting. Mine, mine is kind of like all over the place a little bit. I think I got like like bits of the picture at different times, right? So. You know, being a kid in the comics, I, you know, I want to say that there was probably some kid in my school that, that, you know, knew Mm -hmm. who Jack Kirby was and was like, you know, this guy like created everything, you know what I mean? And, and did it in, in sort of like a grade school sort of way where like that to me meant like he created all of comic books, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then, and then, and then I get older and, um, you know, I remember, you know, being, being a big Ninja Turtles fan, I had a lot of like reprints of the Mirage stuff and there was, they did micro series back then where like each turtle got like basically a one shot but they co- mm. they called them micro series and the donatello one is you know he goes on this adventure with this artist who has like this gem on his pencil that like anything he draws comes to life and they get to this you know to this world of his creations and at the end of that book like the character's name is kirby mm. and at the end of that book there's this big <laughs> oh, yeah, like yeah. you know full page splash dedication to jack kirby the king right and i'm like okay so like so the name the name is hitting me there uh, so that was like another piece. And then Paul Dini and Bruce Tim became sort of like, like the first creators I followed like everywhere to do like, like since Dr. Seuss, really like just the first people <laughs> like on name alone, I went to. Right. Right. And, and those guys always talked up Kirby a lot, especially Tim. And, and just, you know, at that point, just kind of being into finding like, like, wanting to check out the people that inspired the people that inspired me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I would trip over Kirby stuff here and there, um, pinups and pictures and stuff like in wizard magazine, whenever they would like post something of his or put something is in there, but I didn't actually read a Kirby comic until like my twenties. And that was when like I remember vividly, like I was at the store and that was when DC was putting out, like starting to do omnibuses of all of his stuff. Mm -hmm. And like the losers omnibus just came out and, I didn't know anything about the characters. I read New Frontier. I, you know, I might have remembered who they are. I might very possibly, I read that bit and had no idea who those characters were yet. Mm. But just something about that cover, right? They were, they were like, they were pinned down by a bunch of like, like German troops. And they were like all of them in the window, like all four of the losers were like in a window and they're all like shooting out the window in different directions. And like, you know, mm. just like, it just had so much energy. That I was like, okay, I'm, I got to check this out. This looks awesome. And I went home, unwrapped it, read like three issues in one shot. And I was hooked at that point. I was like, I get it now. Kirby's all, like, like, I understand. I understand it all now. <laughs> like, I get mm-hmm. why, why he's so great. So, so really, yeah, my, my, my in- introduction to his stuff actually was like his later stuff, um, which his art style would change a couple of different times throughout mm-hmm. his career like you know that that 60s stuff in the marvel you know in the marvel area era would not look the way that his stuff did when he went to dc or when he went back to marvel that time mm-hmm. right would you guys mm-hmm. agree with that yeah yeah I mean, he's, he was definitely always evolving yeah 
Some some possibly had to do with inkers. Some possibly had to do with his <laughs> lack of control of who could who else was working on his art and, and right. times he mm-hmm. had more control. So there's probably a combination of factors there going on. But I think he was a, a creator that was always looking and striving to evolve himself. Now, um, right. uh, now to ask, what do you mean by it changed? You mean it got more fine tuned, or more or different um, inkers or uh, colorists brought out more features that weren't represented earlier in his career what do you mean change i think both i think i think his i think his actual draftsmanship changed a little bit but i think i think clifton is right that you know depending on who inked him also i think brought out like different nuances and different flourishes well i think there's also like stories of uh when he was drawing uh superman was doing jimmy olsen that he would do the like the body and the figure and then sometimes they would the, the editor would come in and have um neil adams or someone else draw the face Mm, or Kurt Swan, yeah. or Kurt, yeah, to yeah. Fix or, Kurt or Swan, at least yeah. to try to make it look like Kurt Swan. Yeah, so it looked more yeah. in, in more kind of like uh, on model for what they were doing at the time for Superman. So there's stories like that yeah. too. Yeah, I watched um, recently just doing research for this. There's a lot of stuff I'll probably cite along the way, but one of the things I did spend some time with, I watched the Jack Kirby tribute panel from uh, San Diego Comic Cons at home, just this okay. most recent mm-hmm. one on the panel. It was Mark Evanier who hosts these panels every year mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with guests. His guests on this one were Walt Simonson and Paul Levitz, which is where I heard okay. some of the Paul Levitz stories that I'll share. Okay. Uh, but about that, he was talking about that there was Paul Levitz again, the source on this said that, uh, at that time, there was some contention in the DC ranks where they looked down on Marvel. Mm. They thought mm. they were doing, they thought DC was doing fine work and that Marvel was garbage. And so then Jack Kirby oh, comes in and they're like, oh, it looks too much like Marvel. We don't want our books to look like Marvel. So that was, there was some, uh, some little animosity there. And that's why they would like, especially when it came to Superman, their prized character would Uh try to make it look more like a Kurt Swan and less like a Jack Kirby Mm. Superman face. Um, And, and just an interesting aside, like, uh, so Mark Evanier, who was his, who was Jack Kirby's assistant at the time uh, Mm -hmm. on a lot of the, the new God stuff at DC said that, that Jack Kirby would pick and choose his battles. And there were some battles he knew he couldn't win. and, And some was over who inked his work and some was over the coloring at DC. He wasn't crazy about the coloring at DC that his books got. Uh, but the one fight that he fought hard to win was the colors of Mr. Miracle's costume. Okay. <laughs> that that was, oh, okay. that that was a battle he was determined to win and <laughs> did win. So uh, Mr. Miracle's cool costume is all Jekker. Right. Thank goodness. That's an awesome yeah. costume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. So when I was looking back at, at his work and I was, I was kind of spanning a couple of different, you know, um, points of his career, but what was getting to me was the facial expressions really. Especially mm-hmm. in that stuff, in that later stuff, late sixties and seventies stuff. Like, what was really cool is I really like the way he drew mouths, mm-hmm. right? Because he always drew like facial expressions in in general, but mouths specifically. Like, he had he was always drawing people like like yelling, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> it, like it and and it really made me look at it because I always thought his art had like this this kind of kinetic like energy to it. Right. It always like mm-hmm. like everybody was always in movement, even though there were like these these like kind of like whacked out poses. Right. So sure. like when you're reading books and you're sort of like filling in the action in your own imagination and stuff like that, like his stuff just had so much like like grit and and <laughs> and 
just like 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 fast movements it looked like and and looking at it now i'm like yeah, i think it's the facial expressions that do a lot right because they're always yelling or they're always like like in fear or they're all yeah. right like or they're, mm-hmm. or they're always kind of making the scowl and and in realizing that it did make me think back to all the superman stuff from jimmy olsen where, where like you guys were saying where he would you know somebody would come in after him and redraw superman's mm-hmm. head Right. basically on all the figures and it made me like it, it just i just want to know like what what we missed out on right <laughs> sure you know because i don't know that i've ever actually seen an image of what his full superman looked like i have heard i think clifton right. you told me i think like basically you know the face looked kind of like what reed richards looked like yeah i mean it looked like <laughs> right, it looks like a jack kirby like, drawn face yeah yeah like, right like like uh like a steve rogers from bicentennial like that year right uh, cause I do, I have seen some on unfinished pages. I don't know if they've ever collected, like it was forever people in Jimmy Olsen cause Superman would be in some of that stuff too. Uh, I don't know if they've ever like collected the, the Jack Kirby version of it officially, or if there's just like, you can kind of see it behind the scenes, like before his stuff was redrawn. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I have seen some unfinished pages with the original, uh, Kirby drawn Superman face. Yeah, it's weird to think the idea that even though, you know, there was rivalry at the time, I mean, there's it now, mm. <laughs> but the idea that you would hire on Kirby, right. Kirby, Jack Kirby, right. yeah. and then not expect him to be Jack Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, to me, exactly. that's crazy. <laughs> and look, Kurt Swan draws a heck of a Superman, too. Oh, he's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you know I mean, I, like, yeah, no, I'm a huge Kurt Swan fan. I love Kurt Swan's work, but it's one of those yeah. things where, you know, I, I just think that it's it's really, it's kind of it's an odd, it's an odd thing to want to have happen when, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, when, when, like, right. When 99% of the book is all Kirby. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Absolutely. Except, except for the inking, but like the, you know, the, the, the art is all Kirby except for, right. except for Superman's head in every mm-hmm. panel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it's, it's a little odd. I mean, yeah. and the other thing is, like you said, I, I think we do lose, that's something that, that, you know, those, those, those moments of Kirby where you're doing, you know, transition from panel to panel or panel to splash page or panel to whatever. And there's that bit of like, there's debris in the air and there's a mouth agape and someone's yelling and, you know, Captain America or whoever's is, you know, yeah. punching somebody. Usually pointing. Somebody's, yeah. usually, somebody's usually, somebody's yeah. usually pointing like yeah. in the foreground, like, like yeah. with like, yeah. with like the Kirby fingers with like, with like the shadows and like, in like all the knuckles right. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I can picture yeah. those anguished faces, like yes. so many anguished faces. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and so I think, and that's the thing I realize about some of the later stuff too, is I feel like that there's a little bit more use of a shadow and, and I mean, you would see that stuff, I think in his, in, I mean, you do get reprints of, of original art that, you know, are not inked, but I do think that that was also like part of the inking that came through. But when you look at the early Marvel stuff, you know, him on Avengers and, and Fantastic Four and everything, like everything looked a lot more streamlined, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like it was, it was not bad. I mean, but a much simpler style, I think, you know? Right. So what do you guys think about like, like the early, the, the early, did you, did anybody read any of the early Marvel stuff like gearing up for this? I mean, I have in, in recent times because we've hit okay. on, um, we've hit on, a couple episodes like our cap episode and our, our looking at why we love Marvel comics episodes on those were both uh, on both of them. I dove back into golden age Marvel mm. 
to experience a lot of it for the first time for real. Some of it I, you know, dabbled in before, but it like I've I've kind of taken up researching it and trying to learn as much about that period as I can. So I had read some of that stuff recently and I did uh learn some more behind the scenes stuff about that early Marvel period now that's that's actually really interesting and stuff I didn't quite know before. Okay. Uh it picks up on some of the stuff I talked about in our cap episode. If we want to go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talked about um the the climate in which Captain America was made mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. a time before America was in the war and at a time when, you know, the political sentiment was that America widely should not be in the war. It was a hotly debated political topic. So uh there's a, a biography comic that came out last year called Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. It's by mm-hmm. the uh, comic creator Tom Scioli, who is a you know, great Jack Kirby fan and can do mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of work in, in the style as tribute to Jack Kirby. He's an excellent artist. Uh, but what he company? did a biography. I'm, I'm just curious, who put that, who put that book out? Um, Ten Speed Press is the name of the publisher okay. in this book. Okay. okay. Came out in July of 2020. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's Tom Scioli doing a, uh, biography from, <laughs> from birth of Jack Kirby through a lot of his work and, and it covers some of the, the early, early days, but, uh, some stories that he recounts in, in that, this comic biography is that like Jack Kirby had a lot of collaborators over the mm. years, but not that many partners, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Right. Like there weren't that many right. people that he was in a good symbiotic relationship creatively with Mm -hmm. Joe Simon was one of those Mm -hmm. like he and Joe Simon were partners, especially in those early, early days. Joe Simon wasn't much older than him, but seemed much more worldly (laughs) to Jack Kirby. Mm -hmm. Like, like Jack Kirby learned a lot from Joe Simon got like, Apparently it was Joe Simon that introduced him to cigars and suits (laughs) and all of of that stuff that we think of as as Jack Kirby trademarks. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in the early days when they were first developing uh, Captain America, it was, you know, everyone was chasing superheroes. Right. Everybody wanted a Superman and they had tried and failed at different things. Jack Kirby had worked on comic strips before that, like a Blue Beetle, like a version of a Blue Beetle superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby and Simon had worked on Red Raven, which did not work out that well, um, <laughs> which was kind of combining Superman and Batman a little bit. But when they developed Captain America, like they knew they struck gold before it was Mm -hmm. even before it was Mm -hmm. published. They were like, we're on to something here. Mm. And and ultimately, like it was the right book at the right time. It just struck a chord. Uh, They like they believed in it so much. Joe Simon, who was editor under uh, Martin Goodman at at Timely was even able to negotiate a sort of royalty deal to get them a piece of each issue sold. Mm-hmm. at the time so like everybody looked at this character and was like yeah like this is like we hit pay dirt with this thing even before it was published we'll get into that a little bit <laughs> later mm-hmm. that royalty deal but uh they said like once it came out they started getting these letters like tons and tons of letters from people asking to join the sentinels of liberty which was like the Captain America <laughs> fan club that they had advertised in the issues and they're like okay like this thing's a sensation like like right. people really are responding to it. And then they started getting hate about it 
from the America Firsters, from the uh, uh, German American okay. Bund, which is the league that wanted us to stay out of the war. This is all still right. before the war. And, and again, mm-hmm. there's stories that uh, Tom Scioli recounts in, in this biography of, of like the, the timely office getting a phone call and of somebody wanting to talk to whoever was making this Captain America trash. Yeah. And that, that Kirby took the phone. It right. was like, yeah, just come down here. He's like, yeah, if you if you want to fight, like bring it. Right. And then uh <laughs> and then uh reportedly, as the story goes, went down to the lobby and waited yep. for the person to show up. <laughs> yeah. And and the person never did show up at that instance. But then uh, yeah. like soon after that, the, the building started being picketed by again the America First Party, Lindbergh's group. <laughs> And the German American so today, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and so it was all these people be like, leave Germany alone, and because in their work before Captain America, like they they had dealt with uh, Hitler type characters being depicted in the art, but they would always thinly veil it. It would be like unnamed dictator, or you know, like mm-hmm. a devil that looked kind of like Hitler, something like that. And then by Captain America, they're like, no, like we're not, we're not playing Full that on. game anymore. Yeah. This is Hitler, and we're going to Germany, which they did by issue two. Mm. They sent mm. Cap and Bucky behind into Europe again before we're in the war. Like they weren't, they weren't holding back at all at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were being picketed in their office, which I found was fascinating. And and then got a call from Mayor uh, Fiorella LaGuardia. Ah who was the mayor of New York at the time and was a comic fan himself and basically said, just keep doing what you're doing and, uh, and we'll provide some police protection. So, <laughs> so they sent, he sent uh, police to, to you know, just keep an eye on the building make sure the protest didn't get out of hand and just keep making those comics. That's so cool. I found that all fascinating. Yeah, I definitely heard the one about, you know, why don't you come down here? Right. <laughs> this is the address. Yeah. I'll be in the lobby. That's yeah. that that Kirby story I've heard plenty of times. I never heard the yeah. other one about LaGuardia. I didn't know that yeah. one. That's awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. There's a lot yeah. to unpack there. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean Yeah, I mean, one of the things too that I that I recall is that um, you know, as the as the America was gearing up to get into the war, that the publisher had thought most likely Joe Simon and Kirby were going to be drafted mm-hmm. and had them produce a bunch of issues of Captain America in advance. So it could still be in print while right. they were gone, um, which I think is just interesting. I mean, like Kirby's speed. Like, like, you know, never ceases to amaze me. No, I don't. The, you know what I mean? Especially like compared to, to, you know, modern day stuff, which I mean, if you're a comics fan, right, mm-hmm. uh, even before pandemic like you you have undoubtedly had to deal with like your favorite book being delayed in yep. some capacity for some reason or you know? fill in there's um, a fill in issue or, or something fill in. Yeah, yeah not judging i mean like you know good work takes takes time i understand right. that but like you know kirby like in, in this when i first started getting like the new gods omnibuses and stuff like that which i, I have the table of contents in front of me he was doing at dc mm. four books simultaneously right. Writing and drawing four titles simultaneously. He was doing Mr. Miracle, mm-hmm. Forever People, uh, New Gods, and what's the one I'm forgetting? Uh, Jimmy Olsen, yeah. right? And so I got volume two in front of me, so I'm just looking at it. Okay, so here we go. Does it explain how much he was paid for that? Um, or what, I don't not know how much he was paid, but what his actual like breakdown paid, of pages like, a week was. His pay is what he did, or is like his page rate? 
his well not his page rate but how many pages he was expected to produce each week of art of finished art oh no i don't know okay because you guys have that yeah paul levitz brought that up about that deal uh when paul levitz was talking about the new gods deal that his art contract was paid in a lump sum but it was paid under the assumption that he would be producing three pages a day Mm. 15 pages a week god yeah Mm -hmm. 15 pages of art a week then he also uh had a separate deal that uh paid him as writer and a separate deal that paid him as editor Mm. and and paul levitz laughed about that saying those are all essentially or i think it was mark evanier who said that that's all stuff he essentially did when he was at marvel and didn't get paid for Wow. Right, right, right. Writing right. and editing in addition to art. So they, they did take which, care of him a little bit that which way. Which we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But yeah. yeah, so I'm just running down the table of contents here. So August 1971, New Gods number four comes out, right? September 1971, Jimmy Olsen, 140, 141 comes out. September 1971, Mr. Miracle number four, right? October 1971, Forever People number five. October 1971, New Gods number five. Like, October 1971, Jimmy Olsen. He had three issues in October yeah. 1971 that yeah. he wrote and drew. Yeah. yeah. This, I mean, that's unbelievable to me. <laughs> I mean, it was really, like, there's a great, there's a great Kirby documentary that's available on um, YouTube and we'll, we can put a link to it when we put the episode up. But there's a point where like you have, <laughs> you get like creators that were, that are big or became big, like Len Wein and Marv Wolfman tell a story about being kids. Mm-hmm. And it's mm. there, you can tell how excited they are now, like in, when that video is shot of how excited they were to be like, no, we would go over, Roz, his wife would make us a sandwich, and then we would go downstairs <laughs> in the basement where he was at his, his art day, his hit table, and we would just watch him draw. And then he would, <laughs> he, would, he would basically get done, bundle up the art, and then sit back down and draw the next one. And, the, and again, not that, not that anybody modern doesn't have that same work ethic or that same discipline. But there was something about Kirby that he would just, he would start and like they talked to his kids and his daughter would say, yeah, my dad would just be like talking and smoking a cigar and drawing. And then he might stop from like, he'd have a ball game or or something on the background, or he would stop Mm -hmm. and grab a book off the shelf for inspiration and go right back to drawing. But the amount of work that he could crank out. And the other thing they said that was really funny was like Kirby would start, would never, he'd never thumbnail stuff. Like he would just right, draw, right. like he he would just draw it from like basically from wherever he was pulling it from, and you'd watch him draw and like suddenly like an arm like he would, he would never the other thing is he wouldn't start with your typical like when you watch people draw stuff now they'll blue line yeah. it you know they'll blue line this the the page or they'll blue line the figure Kirby would draw like Thor's hammer up in the in air, and then draw the rest of Phil and Thor from there or draw something like you know Mister Fantastic's hand. And then work yeah. backwards. And then he, they were like, and he never measured. He never was, he never had the space, like the spatial stuff wrong. And they said they would right. watch him do this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I heard something similar about that. I think it was like Jim Lee mm-hmm. was saying, I hope I get it right. But it was, it was a hundred percent that where I think Jim Lee, like had seen him, like saw him draw once. Right. And he was like, he was like, he was astounded at like the way that like, cause he would draw, he was drawing like a weird pose, but, he would start with like the arm and then he would mm-hmm. move and then he would go down to like the legs and start. And he was like, I don't know what this is supposed to look like. Right. Well, right? That's, like that's, the idea yeah. that, that, that he's not roughing out the figure that he's just sort mm-hmm. of like his arms like this, his leg is like this. All right. His other leg is doing this and here's his head and this is the pose. Right. And then like, and then there you go. And then, and then, and then you have a pinup of black Panther. 
right? <laughs> right, right, right. You know? Well, the, the other the other thing they say in this video, and Neil Adams is one of the ones that says it. He's like, look, Jack could not. No one's ever going to say Jack could draw anatomy. He's like, right. guys, because guys at the time would try to take shots at, at, at Kirby and be like, well, Jack can't draw anatomy. And, and, and Neil Adams was like, well, yeah, he can't. But tell me, show me anyone that can. Re- I mean, you can know anatomy backwards and forwards, but do what Jack does. Create the action that Jack does on a page. And no one could, you right. know, practically no one could do it consistently. Right. Because that's when you look at those, you look at any of that Kirby stuff and, and, and it's such a, you know, the, the amount of, of action that's crammed into a single issue or a couple pages worth of stuff is astounding. And the fact that, again, that he mm. was doing three to four issues a month of different books, you know, is just unheard of. Yeah. So, all right. So let's get into Lee and Kirby all uh, right. a little bit. Stan Lee, and, uh, which, which we are not here to bash Stan Lee or nope. anything like that. Nope. But. Um, one of the things Clifton you were talking about was, you know, he had, he had frequent collaborators and few partners. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was your sense about their collaboration? Because they worked a lot right. <laughs> together, right. you know, like fantastic Four alone is a big, big, huge mm-hmm. run of books for oh, them. Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's a part of what they did together, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so what was your sense about, about Lee and Kirby's dynamic? I mean, I think he was definitely more transactional than mm-hmm. than his than his partnership with with Joe Simon was at the you know back in the forties. I think I think Kirby was very much creating. knew there was a job aspect to it. He knew like there was stuff he had to you know grin and bear it, mm-hmm. and 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 would um, like he, he kind of you know there was there was the work Kirby and the art Kirby, and and sometimes they would kind of have to trade off. <laughs> like the right. business Kirby and mm-hmm. and the 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 grand creator Kirby would have to would have to trade off positions sometimes, and I think that probably happened a lot with the with the Stanley collaborations. Right. Well, I mean, again, it's not a, it's a different documentary. It's in the um, Robert Kirkman's The Secret History of Comics. Mm-hmm. They talk about the fact that at one point, you know, Stan was the kid that got Joe and Jack sandwiches. Right. Right. Like right, that was, that right, was his spot yeah. was like, he was like the kid, they would like be like, yeah, we need you to go drop this off. We need you to run errands, go pick up my dry cleaning. Yeah. You know, get me a box yeah. of cigars. Back, bring back me- in, back in the timely days and stuff <laughs> right. like that. Right. Bring and me a sandwich. But- stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he was a good man. Apparently everyone that worked at timely, except for Joe Simon and Jack Kirby <laughs> were related to Martin Goodman. And because and, of- <laughs> and, and Stan Lee was no different. He was also related to Goodman. Right. And because okay. he was related to Goodman, he, that was the way, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing Stan. I'm not saying Stan right. wasn't talented. I'm just saying that that's, that it's one of those things where, you know, nepotism played a part. He got the job of being in charge of the division of, you know, comics. And therefore he was suddenly Jack Kirby's boss. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. right. you know, and that's one of those things where you got to think about the idea of, well, you know, um, how that sits with somebody who's, who's, you know, suddenly was the kid that was getting you sandwiches now, t- you know, telling you, here's what, let's try and do this. Right. You know, that's a, that's a thing that I don't, but I mean, Kirby always, like what I've always read about Kirby, what I've always seen, like seemed to, like Kirby's ego was not, was not really something that he, like he wasn't really an ego driven artist. Like he was mm. definitely, you know, mm. I'm sure he was proud of the work and the things that he created. Right. But it's not like he got, you know, he never got, the only, I think he, the only thing he really cared about was getting the credit he deserved, right. being compensated for, and then just being allowed to create. Yeah. Mark right, Evanier right. in another panel, it was the WonderCon <laughs> tribute panel. And this one had um, this most recent year. And this one was, again, hosted by Mark Evanier. And the guests were Jonathan Ross, the 
British media personality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman were the All guests right. on this one. It was on that one that uh, I think it was again, Evan and Mark Evanier saying that, that Kirby's Kirby believed in himself for sure, yeah. but mm-hmm. his, his belief in himself was only about what he could do. It didn't extend to anybody else. Mm. Like he never, it never diminished anyone else. Right. So mm-hmm. like he could think he was good and think this person's great too. Like mm-hmm. it was never like, I'm good. So you're not good. Mm-hmm. Which, right, right. Which is unfortunately seen a lot, especially in, yeah. in creative fields a lot, unfortunately. But that his was, his was kind of an egoless sense of value. Right. Like he, mm-hmm. he knew what he was worth. He knew what he could bring to the table. He believed in himself, but it never, it never took away. And he hadn't, he didn't have negative, you know, it, it, I, thoughts on somebody else because of it. Right. Right. Yeah. One of the stories I, I tripped over was, you know, so one of the notable exceptions to Kirby's creator list of credits at Marvel is um, not Spider-Man. Right. Right. He does not have creator credit of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the interesting things I saw, which I didn't know this was um, reportedly Kirby was uh, was originally on tap to do Amazing Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. one of the reasons why, uh, but, you know, it, that did not happen. One of the reasons it, it didn't was Stan Lee apparently thought that Kirby drew Spider-Man like too heroically. Yep. That's true. Right. Like was, That's was true. the thing which, which, you know, I mean, if, if you see pictures of any of the pinup kind of stuff that we're talking about or any of the poses, like I get that Kirby draws a heroic image for of sure. Course. And so, and so the idea was, is that Lee was basically like, this is sort of not the vision of the character he had in mind for Spider-Man. He didn't want that heroic posing and stuff. So that's, so he switched artists and that's when we got Steve Ditko on Amazing Fantasy 15 and okay, the rest yeah. is history. But notably like Kirby did stay on for the, as mm-hmm. the cover artist, interestingly enough, that that's a Kirby cover. Amazing right. Fantasy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For 15. Yeah, yeah. With the swinging through the air, holding the guy. Yeah. There's yeah. like a, there's a, Drawing somewhere, and we'll have to see if we can find it. And put it on the on the along with the episode where he he has a his early Spider Man drawing, and it's kind of like a guy with a holster and swashbuckler right. boots and mm-hmm. a cape, and that's like the Spider Man thing that Kirby came up with. <laughs> yeah, the only the I think the only art I've seen is somebody else's rendition based on a description of uh, what they were what told Kirby's uh, Spider Man looked like. So I think it's like a artist recreation okay. of what what legend tells um, that Kirby's Spider-Man take was. So you might right. be able to find that right. somewhere. Well, I remember like Clifton years ago, you and I were talking one time and, and we were saying how like that Spider-Man costume, we all know and love like that's a Ditko drawing for mm-hmm. sure. Kirby created right. a lot of iconic superhero costumes, but, right, right. but like that, that just design of that Spider-Man, like, like seems out of Kirby's wheelhouse a little bit. It seems like he would as, as boundless as his imagination was, it seems like he would never have created that. Yeah. It's, it's a very quirky design for its time. Mm-hmm. Right. And Ditko is, is if, if nothing else, quirky. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Like, yes. yeah. <laughs> we should, we should do an, uh, a spotlight episode on Ditko too. Cause that would be, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Absolutely. That would be, I mean, a great talent who is not quite as personable as, as Jack Kirby was, but right, great no, talent right. nonetheless. And so like one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about though, was, was how, um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of the most diplomatic way to say this, but it's the fact that like Lee gets a lot of credit for this. Stuff. He does. Yes. He and, does. and, you know, and yes, he did work on these characters and, and, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't there. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve credit, but you know, my understanding is that Kirby dreamed up these plots, plotted these things out, you know, as panels, as he was drawing each issue and, even along the margins, if you look at some of the original art, like had dialogue like written out right. for certain panels. And then Lee comes in. Right. And because so, Lee was a better writer and and, you know, poshed up the uh, the dialogue a bit and kind of right. kind of, you know, made it, you know, made it a little more uh, poetic, let's say. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. More conversational you know, with, with. Yeah, for sure. Had you guys heard the same stuff? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you know, they they definitely. It sounds like there might have been before they got to the quote unquote Marvel style of doing things, which mm. was the writer would basically come up with plot and then hand it off to the artist and the artist would come back with a fully rendered story and then the writer would supposedly dialogue it, right? Right. That was that was the way it was supposed to work. And then it, it was one of the things we're in I don't believe it's in the Kirby. I think it is in the um in the Kirkman secret history of the of comic books where Stan says, you know, and there were times I would get stuff back and I don't know where, you know, I don't know where this came from. Like this silver surfer character, who's this silver surfer character. I've got a <laughs> right. giant, you know, silver alien on a surfboard in the middle of space. Right. Yeah. And this is nothing that what I talked about in my plot. Right. Right. But then at the same time, Stan is credited as being one of the creators of the silver surfer. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't, my thing is I always, I've always looked at Lee and Kirby very much the same way as like, Lennon and McCartney, like they're so much better mm. together than they were ever were apart, even though there's tons of stuff I love by McCartney and there's tons of right. stuff I love by John Lennon. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't say that much is the same for, for Lee because some of Lee's solo stuff is not as good, but he collaborated with other people. Mm. So, yeah. you know, Kirby, right. on the other hand, you know, goes to DC and creates, like we talked about, Omec and, and Commandy and all mm-hmm. that fourth world stuff. And then, you know, just so much imagination, so much stuff put out. I just feel like, I mean, it's it definitely one of those things where Kirby, from what I've read and what I've seen, was he didn't, he again, he didn't represent himself well outside of comics. Like, looking at his work, mm. an amazing, you know, imaginative, oh, you know, font of, of, <laughs> of, of cool characters and concepts, but didn't promote himself all that well. Whereas Stan, on the other hand, was a right. little bit more slick, you know, a little he was more a carnival barker. Yeah. He was much better. Well, he's much yeah. better at, at promoting himself and putting himself with the, at, mm-hmm. at, you know, far better salesman, far yeah. better salesman oh, yeah. than Kirby was. Yeah. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, you could look at it as, um, I think what, I think, uh, Mark event says the same thing where he says that, that Kirby was the guy who built the stuff and Stan was the one who sold it. Mm. Right. Right. You yeah. know, that was, that was his description. I believe in the, in the Kirby video, that Kirby documentary mm-hmm. is that, yeah, that was the way it worked was Kirby was the one who was building and designing stuff and Stan would sell it. And I, I just feel like I, it's hard to say because, you know, none of us were in the room. Right. But I, I, I feel like there, I don't know how Kirby and or Dicko for that matter. I mean, Dicko eventually comes out and says, you know, who has the idea for Spider-Man? The guy who says, I think we should have a character named Spider-Man or the guy who designs a costume comes up with the other, you know, like the, does the Marvel style of crumbing <laughs> right. with, with the characters and the villains and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like even at the time why there wasn't, 
you know, I, I don't know how you can like, I don't know how Stan could be at the nucleus of all of this stuff. And it just be that he was the guy that didn't, you know, that, that didn't do anything more than that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I would think that even as an artist, someone would have said, Hey, wait a minute, I'm, I'm doing this, right. I, I'm making these stuff. Right. I'm doing all this at the time. Right. As opposed to after the fact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, and it's just like, and, and Stan gets to be so much more closely connected to this stuff. For 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 a lot of reasons, one that I think is super important is is he stays at Marvel the whole time. He never leaves. Right. And, you know, Stan's signatures like all over those books. I remember like, you know, like like, you know, at the at the first page of like any number of Marvel comics, like even into the 70s where like Stan is writing like a note to the to the readers. Right. Sure. Well, right? I mean, you know what I mean? And, St- and Stan Lee's like signatures at the bottom, like uh, like on a book, he's not on. Well, I mean, theoretically, right? this, I is mean, like, this is like an Engelhart book of Captain America and Stan Lee's sure. like got a little notice to the artist. Right. So 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 I, that's what I mean. Like his name is just it, it's getting to your eyeballs so much more than Kirby's name ever did. Absolutely. Sure. Of course. You know, but w- with a thing of like being in the 70s, I'm like, you still have like Stan, quote unquote, creating creating characters and quote unquote doing I mean, like I think he, he has a credit on creating She-Hulk, I believe. Because at the time Marvel had, you know, Marvel was, oh, the, it was the TV show that was running on the, the Bill Bixby, uh, Lou Frigner show, if I remember correctly, was talking about introducing a female version of, of the Hulk. And then Marvel's like, wait a minute, we don't have a female version of the Hulk. Let's put one out now. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so they, they created Jen Walters and, and the She-Hulk just to beat the, the show to the punch. And I don't think the show ever does it. Right. Yeah, I don't believe so. Yeah. I mean, and, and one of the heartbreaking things to me, though, is, is, is another reason of it that, you know, I probably have said in other episodes is I think I think also one of the reasons is, is, you know, Stan was lucky enough that he got to see how big these characters would become. Right. Sure. Right. Like, you know, there were there were no movies made of any of the Marvel creations, you know, right. that. that you know, just a, that, just that anybody the TV saw shows. there was yeah. just the TV shows and, you know, like the Roger Corman Fantastic Four that didn't get <laughs> theatrical and stuff like that. Like, you know, Kirby passed away in 94. He didn't, you know, he didn't get to see the MCU. Stan Lee got right. the cameo and all of these. Yeah, he missed X-Men right. by six years. Yeah. And and that was one thing I remember because the Stan Lee cameo at that point was like, so he's in the X-Men movies. Right. And he's in Daredevil. Right. And he's in Spider-Man movies. And then you get to the MCU and like, okay, and he's in Iron Man. He's in Hulk. He's in Thor. And I'm like, these are all Stan creations, right? He's These are all, at the very least, like co-created Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Then Captain America came around and, and and it didn't hit me that it was, he's going to be in all of these. It What what I thought it was, it was like he's appearing in stuff he created. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when Stan Lee, I, I remember being a little bothered when he went, he got the cameo in Captain America first Avengers yeah. at the time. I was, just, I was like, I was like, you didn't, you didn't create Captain America. No, <laughs> right. I know. Like, like this, this is Kirby and, and, and Simon. And yet like, but I think to, to people that aren't going to know better, it's going to be like, well, Stanley created Captain America. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then this keeps going and then like, okay, he's in guardians and he's in Captain Marvel and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I get, I get it. Like, we're just going to put him in everything. And that's okay. It doesn't bother me. But I'm just saying, like, at that time, there's something about it. Right. Well, and, then on, and then on top of the fact that, like, Kirby's name was not in, in any grand spectacle on any of these movies. Mm-hmm. Right? Until he was always, like, you know, in the end credits somewhere in, like, you know, special thanks right. and stuff yeah. like that. And it wasn't, and I think that there were some legal reasons attached to this, but it wasn't until Age of Ultron when he got, like, 
you know, the big, awesome, like cool end credits when the movies are running where you right. finally got like, you know, based on characters created by Stan, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And I remember being quite frankly, like a little choked up when yeah. I finally got to see like, there it is. There's his name. Finally. Yeah. And not, sh- and not sharing a whole bunch of other names on the screen at the same time. There it is. Right. Kirby. It says it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I brought up the back at the top of the show. Now I brought up the, the royalty stuff with the Kenner toys. And, mm. and like we said, uh, he got royalties for the toy line that he did not get for the new gods comics mm. at that point in time. But then bringing him back in to redesign when they did, they were able to work a royalty deal on those characters and those characters in the future because he had contributed in a significant way to them at that point in time. There are, uh, I think it was Paul Levitz that talked about at the time when Jack Kirby came back to DC after his second Marvel exodus. uh, So we're talking early seventies now for the new God stuff that Jack Kirby was trying to make changes. He had been, you know, felt mistreated and was mistreated at, different points throughout his whole career up to that point throughout the first 30 years of his career and and at dc he was trying to say like fight for stuff for him and his fellow creators like creator credits in the comics like prominent creator credits which they didn't have at the time mm-hmm. and in royalties which they certainly didn't have at the time or and even getting like the artists to get their original pages back Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the right. time that didn't happen either. Like they would do these original pages, they would submit them to the company and they would never see them again. So they didn't yeah. have the, the secondary revenue stream of, you know, being able to sell their own original art right. because the company's like, we own those pages. Those are ours. You can't do anything with them. I think I was at a San Diego panel, one of, one of these Kirby retrospective panels that, you know, mm. Evan here was, was hosting and, and one of his anchors was on there. I forget which one I want to, I want to say maybe Mike Royer, but I don't think that's right. Right. Um, but you know, he revealed that he has like a ton of Kirby's original work, <laughs> a ton of Kirby's original pages. He's like, yeah, okay. I, still, I still have all that stuff. Like all that stuff I inked and everything. He's like, I have all yeah. of that. Okay. You know? Hmm. And it's like, I, I'm just, like, I'm not one, I'm not one of these collectors, you know what I mean? Right. But like, but it, is, it does make me go like, man, I'm wondering like how many thousands and thousands and thousands, if not more, right. <laughs> you know, dollars right, of, right. of art you have there. Um, right. probably in the millions, quite frankly. Yeah. But yeah. like at that, at that time, like Kirby was fighting for that stuff for himself, for all the other creators. He wanted, you know, every, he wanted that boat to rise for everyone in the industry mm. and, and was trying to look out for everyone and trying to help everyone. And I mean, from all the accounts, he was a very generous man. He was yeah. a very kind man from all accounts I hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, he wasn't able, it wasn't able to happen at his, at his time in DC then. And he was kind of mistreated then because they canceled the new gods books kind Mm -hmm. of out of the blue. They canceled the whole line on him, pulled the rug out possibly. And then again, sourcing from Paul Levitz who came in, in a regime change a little bit after that period, who said as a fan, he went back to look at the numbers because he just, he was curious, like as a fan, like now he has access to all the information. So, Let's see what happens. And so he goes back into the sales figures and sees the new God stuff is selling fine. Right. Like there was no right. sales reason to cancel it. Like the books weren't mm. tanking or anything. Uh, but again, like there was just something in the DC regime at the time where they, they wanted to do it. They wanted to, they wanted to kill the project for some reason and did. But uh, 
while Jack Kirby was not able to affect the change while he was there, he was he did affect the change on the people who took over later. Mm, right. Paul Levitz, the Jeanette Kahn. There's another name I'm, I'm unfortunately blanking on a third editor at DC at the time that Paul Levitz mentioned. But mm. they then implemented and fought to implement the stuff that Jack Kirby was told could never happen. Because whenever Kirby right. brought it up, it, it was told legally, oh, legally, we can't do that. Legally, we can't put your name on the book. Legally, we can't give you your art back. Mm. And and then some people who decided, who, you know, agreed with Kirby that he was right, fought to change it and and did uh, for a time. And, and the stuff that he was told would never happen. And, and mm-hmm. so they were, you know, they were able to do it in his name. Unfortunately, he was not there. But then, like I said, they were able to kind of get him into the new royalty system through the toy line because they felt they really, really owed it to him. <laughs> right. He did another thing at DC too. Also, while all these new gods, you know, the fourth world stuff was going on and commanding everything. Like, um, I tripped over this one day that I, I, I found a, a trade of a hardcover of crime stories mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Kirby did. And I thought, I thought I was getting stuff from like the thirties. <laughs> okay. But lo and behold, like when I'm going through it, like, this was so it's a hardcover. I don't I don't know when it was reprinted, but um, it was a hardcover Jack Kirby in the days of the mob. And yeah. what this was, is it was it was it was a collection of prohibition era stories. Right. right. So written to be take place in prohibition. But he did this in the 70s. Right. He okay. did this while he was at D.C. And it was supposed right. to be for a magazine. So so a comic book magazine, like some of like. Some of the like the Punisher World War Journal stuff mm-hmm. that was coming yeah, out, like the black and white stuff Marvel like, yeah. was doing at the yeah. time, black and white stuff. And like one issue was was produced and which is reprinted in this trade. And then a second issue was produced, but never published. And so mm-hmm. that second issue is in here also. But it's like for all the talk of like how fast he was and all the work he was doing, like in addition, to all that stuff, he was also working on another thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> another thing that he was writing and drawing and editing himself right. yeah <laughs> like it's it's so nuts to me um what's exciting to me though now is seeing like in the mcu that like his his visual style is starting to to seep in a little bit mm-hmm. yeah like like and i'm thinking of like like ragnarok ragnarok was kind of like the first one where there were like some some of the costumes and like set pieces and some of the people like right. off to the side i'm like that's a kirby look that's a Kirby lots design the, right there. Lots of the zigzags. Yep. Yeah. And there, I mean, and there's a lot of Simonson too in, in you know, Walt Simons stuff in Asgard and everything like that. I mean, there's a lot of Simonson references in Ragnarok, but Loki also the Loki TV show, mm-hmm. like with all the statues in the timekeepers headquarters, like that stuff gives me big Kirby vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like looking at that. Right. Cause I mean, that was another thing too. Like, I mean, it, like he, he did draw like these weird, statues and a lot of stuff like going back i was like reading i was like reading like an issue of the demon right like getting prepped up for this and like yeah (laughs) yeah the weird uh yeah the zigzag like like techno stuff which i remember frank we were talking when thundercats was on the air when cartoon network uh did a reboot of it in like 2011 i remember Mm. we were saying like i wish they were aping kirby for this like how awesome would it be if mumra was coming (laughs) out of like a techno like a kirby techno sarcophagus yeah and you said that i'm like i'm like no i know exactly how that would look like yeah yeah, with all the dots and all the kirby crackle like going around them yeah well, yeah, but yeah. when the when that show started, it was all about you know they were anti tech, and I was like, well, then oh, then Mumra just by virtue of them being their antagonist should be all about tech, 
so yeah, and the idea that you know if you married tech with, um, you know married tech with with a mummy, I would I it's just that to me just like screams Kirby. So I thought yes, having a techno right. having a techno mummy coming out of a, like a Kirby sarcophagus <laughs> would make perfect sense to me. And I like I'm like no, but that's not the way they went with it. But I, I would thought yeah. that was that would that have been an easy thing to do. Oh, that yeah. would have been so cool looking. Mm-hmm. I think definitely. Yeah. So like we were talking, we were talking about how, yeah, it is. It's very unfortunate that Jack Kirby was not here to see just the dominance (laughs) that, that his work has over media and pop culture now, like every, Mm. everything he did at Marvel is almost, almost everything he did at Marvel is household name for like everybody, everybody knows these characters now. Mm-hmm. But the and generating is, and generating billions of dollars a year right, now, sure, right? right? I mean, like, <laughs> but the thing is that that some people will will say is that is that he believed it would happen. That mm-hmm. of everyone, mm-hmm. he thought this was going to happen. He would tell everyone like th- that that it's gonna this stuff will be loved. Right. Like mm-hmm. like even his fourth world stuff that he was being told was a failure at the time. Uh, like he, he was like, no, like this stuff's going to be a hit. Like, I believe people will find this later yeah. and appreciate this stuff later. And, and there was a nice story from Mark Evanier and, and Paul Levitz again in that panel where they talked about the first time they did any new God stuff collection. It was early mm-hmm. around 2000, I think, uh, after Jack Kirby had passed, but Paul Levitz really wanted to put out collections cause there was, there's growing demand for it at the time. Mm. And, and they put out black and white versions because, it was one of those things where he was thinking like at the numbers, like we, we, it wasn't cost effective of, enough for us to put out full color stuff, but if we put out black and white, we can justify it. And then the stuff sold like crazy and mm. to where he's like, yeah, we should have put it out in color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like we'll put right. it out in color in a few years. We're going to do it. We should have done it this time, uh, but we're going to do it because people love this stuff. This stuff's crazy. And Mark Evanier said that, that he was at the DC offices and Paul Levitz told him that. And in the Mark Evanier was like, can I, can I call Roz and tell her Roz being Jack mm-hmm. Kirby's widow at that point in time. And so he did and, and told her like the, these collections are selling like crazy. They're going to do it again. They're going to do like prestige. They're going to, you know, give it as good treatment as they can next time. Cause people love this stuff. And, and her only response was that, that Kirby always said it would be a hit. Yeah. And that that's what she said he he believed it would, so she was she was thrilled to to find out he was right. Well, I mean, when you look at like again of just like the Marvel just Marvel alone, the MCU stuff. I mean, the majority of the MCU slate has <laughs> been Kirby stuff. Like Kirby mm-hmm. had a hand in most of it, if not all yep. of it, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent. I mean, up to the point like I don't I don't think even most people know that Jack Kirby had, you know, created Black Panther. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. recall that ever being something that was even like when when all the stuff was going on with Black Panther, no one ever said, "Oh yeah, by the way, you know, you know, comics yeah. giant <laughs> Jack Kirby also created Black Panther along with, you mm-hmm. know, Thor and Iron Man and Captain America and the Avengers and X Men, you know. Fantastic Four, right, and- right, yeah. Well, not to mention the fact that Devil like, Dinosaur. Yeah, yes, Devil Dinosaur. Not, yes, not a household of name yet, but maybe right. soon. Machine yeah. Man, you know, I mean, that kind right. of stuff. But but the fact, I mean, it's, it's again, it's crazy to me that we're getting Eternals. Right. I know, right? You know. It's so I mean, nuts to me. I mean, to me that we're getting Eternals before DC is done. I mean, granted, we've got live action, I guess, what, Zod and, and Darkseid, I guess, in the, in 
in the, the cut, Snyder yeah. the Snyder cut stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But to have that, you know, the the fact that we're going to have the Eternals before we have the New Gods, or you know, you know, I, I'm going to see Mr. Miracle or Barda or Orion. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, any of that stuff is yeah. is crazy to me. The fact that because I mean, Eternals, I, I Eternals was something I remember when it came out, and I and I'd flip through it, and I'd be like, eh, you know, it's not really <laughs> not really my thing. Of all the Kirby stuff, it's definitely not my favorite thing. But you know, the fact that that's that's you know, I mean, by in, in the next few months, we'll have it. So, yeah. yeah, you know, that's to me, it's just, it's again, it's, it's like you said, it, it's just a shame that he didn't get a chance to see just how far or how much of his stuff was, how right he was basically. Yeah. Right. So just as you guys were saying earlier, there's a lot of dedications that, um, current artists give to Jack Kirby, regardless of all the, um, the lack of that he got one that, the one that comes to mind is, um, Superman the animated series, this particular episode, um, Apocalypse Now Part Two, in which is dedicated to mm, Jack yeah. Kirby. Just like what you mentioned earlier with the um Turtles, the King from the 2002, 2003 Turtles um cartoon, The mm. King. Um oh, yeah, again, that's right. They uh, animated yeah. that too, didn't they? Yeah. But the yeah. crazy part was it was animated from Kirby and the Warp Crystal in Donatello number one. Yeah. So they brought that forward as well. But there's a lot of um dedications similar to that in which um, current artists have their love and their um, passion for what he created in the past. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's that Superman one gets me too a little bit. I do get a little, little choked up for that. So we're going to spoil the episode, but, but what's crazy is, you know, Turpin is um, supposed to be Kirby. It's Kirby's likeness that they use that he kills. That's the, that's the creepy part of it. In my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. He's he's designed. Yeah. He's designed after Kirby. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well, i mean he pretty much is i mean that's yeah. it's an avatar basically yeah mm-hmm. but when they destroyed the character the series mm-hmm. ended right but yeah but well the other thing is i mean i mean in the comics i think something similar happens to turpin but turpin ends up fighting pair demons on apocalypse if i remember correctly right he oh, didn't die that would have been, a, he's, that he's been te- a cool episode yeah, no, I was hoping we would have got it because he gets because yeah, yeah. it's like I can't remember. It's like Turpin something, you know, something with a t- like uh, I can't almost say terror dogs, but it's not that. It's something like that mm. where that's he didn't get he didn't die. He just got transported away. So the yeah. Omega beams just you know teleported him. But there's a nice bit in that episode where you get kind of um kind of a Turpin Jimmy Olsen team up. Not mm-hmm. not that Kirby created Jimmy Olsen, but. You know, he certainly worked on the character for a long time. And that that's one of those things where, like, I didn't catch that the first viewing. Right. Because I didn't know my Kirby stuff as well. But like watching that now, we're like, we're, we're, you know, Turpin is like, you know, hunkered down behind the cop cars with the with the guns. And there's parademons like coming to them. He's like, all right, kids, stick with me. You know, <laughs> you right. know, and like, yeah. and, all, and Jimmy's like snapping pictures and stuff like, yeah, that episode gets me so much, you know, and and. He he uh sadly was already passed when that episode had run and I think but actually I think his I think his wife had just passed also his widow had just mm. passed mm. right before it aired so I don't think she got to see it either mm. but mm. um yeah that's 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 one of my favorite dedications ever mm. Did you catch the subtle one in um Batman the New Adventures in the episode of Demon Within it's a blink you don't miss it when they break into the Kirby Cake Company Clarion mm. was fighting Etrigan yeah, 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 yeah. When the, when the demon shows up, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, and like I said, like Kurt, you know, Tim Tim loved Kirby. You know, I mm. mean, like you can look at it, you can look at it in his style yeah. for sure. Um, 
All right. So, uh, so we're going to have a little bit of fun with our cooldown. We're going to talk about our, uh, what yet to appear Kirby creation. Uh, there are still some, <laughs> even though there's so many on TV. So what yet to appear Kirby creation would you like to see in TV and movies? Um, but first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is.com. So please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. And finally, if you have any ideas for a topic, send them our way on Twitter or in the comments. Our Twitter handles are show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. So, Clifton, you started us off. Do you Are, are you ready to go now? You want to you go first? Yeah, I can. Um, okay. It's hard. So talking about like what, what Kirby stuff we'd like to see, it is hard because so much of it has been adapted in mm-hmm. some form, in multiple forms in many cases. What hasn't is surely to come soon at the rate they're going. Uh, so right. some of it's surely on the path to us now. But uh, just like some characters I think we definitely haven't gotten enough of yet are, are Mr. Miracle and Barda. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I love the two characters. I love their story. I love their relationship of, mm-hmm. I mean, they're kind of star-crossed. They both come out of Kirby's New God stuff, as you know. And yeah. um, Mr. Miracle is, is Scott Free, who's the son of High Father. Mm-hmm. who in a trade in a in a peace treaty truce of sorts is is traded where high father and dark side trade their sons mm-hmm. and that's orion and mr miracle and and so mr miracle is is scott free raised in apocalypse but uh with dark side just trying to break him the whole time yep which is where the the escape artist angle from Mr. Miracle comes in is that he's basically, you know, his life's being tortured and he's trying to get out of it. Yep. And then and then Bart is part of the forces torturing him. Yep. And turns around because of it. He's able to turn her around and then they have like a one of the lasting romances in DC Comics. Yeah. Uh, of for sure. where a conflict where what should be enemies become become lifelong partners and allies. And I think it's just a really interesting uh, angle and, and, and they're cool characters. And then the visual of, of her being like the big warrior and him always being yeah. like the, the smaller guy is always a fun. Yeah, she towers to over him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always a fun dynamic. Mr. Miracle is um all that, all that new God stuff is great. All that stuff that he was doing at DC simultaneously is fantastic. But Mr. Miracle is my favorite out of, out of that stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's him doing like a straight superhero right. book. And it's one know? where it's like he's a character where we get new gods a lot. Like we yeah. especially get Dark Side a lot. We especially get the apocalypse yeah. side a lot, but we hardly ever get Mr. Miracle and Barda. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And when we do, it tends to be like like I'm just thinking about the animated stuff, which is where you would see most of the stuff creep up. You get Barda from time to time. She's in like she's in the Batman Beyond Justice League. She's in right. uh, Superman Batman Apocalypse and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you get Mr. Miracle really. You know, he's got one episode in Justice League Unlimited, mm-hmm. you know, and and like, you know, he's in he's in a teaser and Brave and the Bold. I know yeah, I was going to yeah. say that's the other one, you know, um, a very good teaser, a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> I like. Um, but yeah, no, those are good picks. Those are really good picks. Tommy, what about you? Oh, I was <laughs> it was gonna take my pick. Cause I just loved I just loved everything about Mr. Miracle and Bar. And the fact you can that he's second it. Well, I seconded <laughs> it, but I was gonna say I was gonna add to it, it's like he's a legacy character and it adds to um how the character evolves and how um Kirby's rendition of him brings him out more than what we've ever seen. 
But since that was taken, I'd say Commandy. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Good for yeah, you. Uh, yeah. It's just one of those type of um, post-apocalyptic futures that we don't really get. We get deviations of it, like with Planet of Planet of the Apes or something, mm-hmm. but it, or mm-hmm. or even Doctor Moreau's Island. Right. We get mm-hmm. variations mm-hmm. of it, but we don't really get a sense of what Kirby created and how um, it's the far-flung future of us uh, ruining ruining stuff and letting um, the animals come up. But I, I would love to see Commandy yeah. to see what it would mind, how it would push, and just getting that uh, uh, sense of um, new frontier without um you know seeing something that we've already seen right yeah, yeah. and oh hey well real quick on the flip note i definitely misconstrued what you got with uh the idea of what um we want to do as far as his old works i thought we were reimagining stuff through a, through a kirby lens and my idea was to have dragon ball z through a kirby lens with kirby dots and stuff yeah that yeah, would be cool. okay, because to me, the whole well, Kirby always emphasized fighting, and that's what Dragon Ball Z does. Mm, sure, but can you imagine? Yeah. Because in Dragon Ball Z, there's nothing but space epics, but they right. did it in the skies of fighting. So I love to him to do a spear bomb with the um, Kirby dots, just yeah. crackling with power, okay, yeah. or just uh, androids, but with the Kirby sense or feel to it, just more mechanical <laughs> and human like, like with Omac that type of right. feel to it, like with the old yeah. dead eyes and stuff. Oh, I just. Yeah, but that's another tangent. <laughs> so, Commandy. That would look cool, though. I'm with you. I'm with you 100% yeah. on that, Tommy. I, w- I would watch that. I would, yeah. too. Somebody did a Dragon Ball movie that looked like Kirby. Oh, yeah. Yes. But I was going to say, also, Brave and the Bold has some pretty good Commandy stuff as well. It does. Yeah. It yes, does. it does. It does. He's the character I'm most hoping pops up in Young Justice, because, the, 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 you know, Young Justice didn't come up, but, like, that was, like, the first, not the first place. I was reading Forever People at that point, but I was shocked. When the Forever People <laughs> popped up in Young Justice, I was like, "Whoa!" Sure. Like of all the Kirby stuff to 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 do, I mean, like right. that's first the Forever People. Yeah. Wow, yeah, and they're done well too. It is done well, yeah. I and mean, it does make sense for Young Justice because they are the teen Kirby heroes. Yes, mm-hmm. I think they're gearing up to Commandy. I hope so. I hope we get them in season four. So I think we will, especially but, when we get the fu- in the future stuff. Right. So, all right. So, Frank, what's yours? Uh, hmm. Oh, it's easy. Gone, gone, the form of man. <laughs> Bring forth the demon okay. Etrigan. I would, I, I, the fact that we haven't got any live action demon stuff yet, I right. just think it's a cool concept mm-hmm. to get, you know, there's so much to play with. The idea of, you know, Jason Blood being an immortal and he makes this, yeah. you know, he gets bonded with this demon back in the time of King Arthur. I mean, there's so much you could do. And then yeah. depending on whether you go with the classic version of like, oh no, that really the problem is Etrigan, or you go with the more, I mean, it's the more modern, modern-ish take with uh, Ennis, where you find out that no, Jason Blood was a bastard himself, and really, <laughs> you know, Etrigan's not as bad. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> I just think that you could, I mean, you could play with all the. I mean, it's, it'd be an easier way for them to set up. Like, if DC really wanted to do something, they could easily set up so much of their 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 universe, their backstory universe mm-hmm. with Etrigan. Right. I mean, so yeah, many characters could. could be in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that that's my big choice. I read Demon number one leading up to this and it, it was hitting me. I was like, because they talk about the Book of Eternity in there. That's what Morgan uh, Fay is after. That's right. the MacGuffin she's after and kind of like the source of immortality for for him and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm like, why is it DC doing more with the Book of Eternity? <laughs> I'm like, that that should be I'm like, this should be like an Infinity Gem kind of MacGuffin in mm-hmm. the books. 
Right. I feel right. like, right? Like, yeah. I think that would be like a, like a really, really fun angle. Yeah. Um, you guys, uh, Tommy, you took mine. I was going to say Commandy. So I had one for Marvel, <laughs> one from DC. Commandy okay. was definitely mine for, from DC. I love Commandy. I'm in. You can second Commandy like he seconded Miracle <laughs> and Barda. Um, the other one for Marvel, uh, Galactus. I've said it before. Yeah. I want to see Galactus. Yeah. I want to sure. see the big purple guy. <laughs> yeah. Gal- like, you know, which. You know, I'm I'm hoping it's coming soon. Sure. Um, and I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw two more quick things out there really quick. The other thing I want to see in the MCU more than anything is Kirby Dots. Yeah. The Kirby Crackle is, is right. which I'm surprised didn't come up more in this episode. But yeah, yeah, I want somebody to incorporate that visual in there. Um right. and the other thing is I think Marvel Studios, I would love this. If Marvel Studios did their first like non-MCU film. As a biopic of Jack Kirby, I would love it. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think like like I mean it, it like they they are so perfect for it. I think mm, right because there's no rights issues. You can talk. You you got like you know you can use the visuals of all of that stuff right, right in there. You know, yeah. Oh man, we're just we're just touching the iceberg of, <laughs> of Jack Kirby here. There's so much more. Oh yeah, you know, we didn't even talk about Argo. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> right? Like yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I love Jack Kirby. All right. So, guys, hit us up in the comments or on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on Jack Kirby. Uh, and what are your favorite books? What are your favorite creations? And what do you want to see adapted into live action? As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on letmenowhowitis.com. So, please remember to follow us and like us on social media. And we will see you guys in a week. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>